0: episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Oro Recovery. They're located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, somewhere in Western Los Angeles. They were created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a treatment center that helps addicts and alcoholics by means of compassion and connection rather than control. The staff there has decades of experience in treating mental health problems, including SMI, co-occurring disorders, all that stuff. They make sure that your stay and your detox is as comfortable as possible. I just heard from somebody who's at Oro right now who said this ad got her there and she's doing so much better and she's grateful. And they have amenities you wouldn't believe. Sound bath meditation, equine therapy, yoga, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge, If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly suggest going to Oro. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? It is an app. It is an app on your phone that works as a Sober Buddy. If you have time or you're sober curious, it gives you pros and cons. It gives you challenges, and it gives you a free sober tracker. Sober Buddy checks in with you to see how your sobriety is on a daily basis. I actually use Sober Buddy every day. No joke. And in a minute, they're going to have a live community in Sober Buddy. So go get the free tracker. Sign up at YourSoberBuddy.com or go to the App Store or the Google Play Store for Your Sober Buddy. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Evolution Accounting and Consulting. If you need an accountant, you go to Evolution Accounting and Consulting. They've helped tons of people to set up their payroll, to do their taxes. They make sure that your shit is on point. If you need an accountant, you go to www.evolution-accounting.com. This guy, Eric, has been a Dopey sponsor for years He is one of us. He is a fucking crackhead in recovery. So I have to say it again and again and again. If you need an accountant, use the promo code Dopey and you go to www.evolution-accounting.com for all accounting needs so you can pursue your dreams while the accountant takes care of everything else. One more time, go there, www.evolution-accounting.com. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you guys about a great recovery podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm friends with one of the hosts, Nat. He's a great guy. Listen to the show. They discuss topics all about recovery, things that are recovery-adjacent, things that are important to people in recovery, 12-step, alt recovery. The newest medical research And they talk about their daily struggle To uh, maintain their recovery And their anonymity in the world of Soccer moms, PTA meetings, all that stuff If the neighbors only knew You can find Recovery in the Middle Ages Wherever you find your favorite podcasts You know those places Spotify, Apple, all those spots Fucking Podbean It's all over the place Or go to middleagesrecovery.com and check it out Now enough with the ads, here's the show Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and I have a lot of things to talk about. The first one is I'm sick. I'm fucking sick. So I'm sick at home, which I, I always claim to enjoy, and the truth is I do enjoy it. I, I uh, Yesterday, I was... Uh, I had a big interview, and I prepared hard for this interview, and it's not the interview on today's show. Today's show is with Barstool Sports, Jersey Jerry, and I'm not going to tell you who I was preparing for, but I swear to God I prepared for weeks for the interview I did yesterday. I got tired. I put a lot of energy into it. It was awesome. You'll hear it next week, but uh, I went downstairs hung out with Linda and Susan. I'm like, we were supposed to have company this weekend, so we were cleaning shit up, cleaning up our inflatable pool, weeding and shit, doing whatever had to be done. And then Linda's dad came over, and then I put Susan to bed. And then there's this weird quail that's in our next-door neighbor. It's a, what kind of, I forgot what kind of quail it is. Hold on for one second, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to Google types of quails. I know you guys aren't that interested in what kind of quail we have. Type of quails. It is, it's a northern bobwhite quail. And it sounded like a parrot, sounded like a parakeet, but no, it was a northern bobwhite quail, and we, we, we chased it into the neighbor's yard, and it lives here now, and we like it. Looks like a little chicken, kind of. Anyway, I put Susan to bed, and when I came out of Susan's room, my head was killing me. I took uh, Tylenol PM, because I'm done with, with fucking um, with Benadryl. I'm done with Benadryl. Last week, we did a dopey Patreon Zoom, and there's a woman named Eviza, and she told me there was a study at Harvard and that Benadryl makes people have dementia. So I'm done with Benadryl. I switched to melatonin. But last night I didn't take melatonin because my head hurts so much. I know you guys are really interested in this. I took Tylenol PM, went to bed at 9, woke up sick, feverish, have a fever, um, watched Aladdin with Susan, let Linda sl- sleep in this morning, and then I just went to bed, turned on the TV, and what was on but Dazed and Confused. And I and I I turned it on and I was like, I don't want to watch this. I've seen this movie so many times, I know it by heart. But then I I decided, and then I started looking around what else was on and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to watch Dazed and Confused. And uh it's so good. I'm sure, you know, most of you guys have seen Dazed and Confused. I enjoyed it so much that I kind of cried during it. I cried during it because Dazed and Confused is a uh, I watched it when I had first become a stoner. I think I've told this story on Dopey. We we went to see it in Ithaca, five of us, me, Ryan, Todd, DK, and Zev, all of whom have been on Dopey, and we went to see Dazed and Confused, and we all had a pipe, and we all smoked weed in the movie theater together. And then, I mean, I watched that movie over and over again, and it's such an innocent movie, and it was so innocent for us. And um, the innocence is gone now, right? The innocence is gone. Uh, Todd died of an overdose. As you guys know, Chris died of an overdose. And this week was also Overdose Awareness Day. And um, I kind of don't even look at that stuff because it just feels like every day is Overdose Awareness Day when you're a heroin addict in recovery and you've had a lot of friends die, right? I mean, last week we had a new listener who just died. But I want to change shit up a little bit Yes, it's Overdose Awareness Week But I want to celebrate a little recovery There is a person in the Dopey Nation Who's very active in the Dopey Nation But I don't remember ever talking to him And if I did, I apologize right now But I want to celebrate him His name is Axel And this week he got four years clean and sober I think Um, I'm trying to put on the applause There it is and uh, he posted this to Facebook, and I'm going to read it. Yeah, that applauses. I don't know, what do you guys think of that applause? And, and write an email if, uh, if you're celebrating an anniversary, and write an email if you've seen Dazed and Confused and you disagree, or you've never seen it. Our email is dopeypodcast at gmail.com. All right, this is Axel's post. Four years ago, I was at my absolute bottom. I had been using opiates and anything else, and, and, and Axel uh, was a real, real hippie back in the day. Anyway, four years ago, I was at my absolute bottom. I had been using opiates and anything else I could find on and off for 13 years. I hadn't worked in a year. I was about to be evicted from my apartment, and my health was atrocious. There were six to seven people I barely knew in and out of my apartment for the last few months doing drug deals and God knows what else. I was just a bystander in my own life and thought I was going to live and die a heroin addict. I didn't believe in treatment or that there was any way out of the life I believed I had condemned myself to by the grace of God, my cousin Agnes burdened with the secret of my addiction, reached out to my mom, afraid that I would die and rightfully. So this was the catalyst that would eventually save my life with the support from my parents and my cousin and the rest of my family. I made the most out of uh, the most out of character decision I've ever made to go to a, not just any treatment center, but a faith-based one in Hollywood called J.C.'s House. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I, um, I put in the work. I'm not laughing at you. Maybe I am a little bit. I put in the work in my recovery and did every program I could find for two years. Fast forward to now, and I'm truly happy. I, I take my meds, drink water, and work out regularly. I've been at the same job for almost three years. I own my car and my condo and a beautiful cat named Bodie. I wonder if he named Bodie after Bodie on the wire. I live a life today I'm grateful for, and many of us who struggle with addiction are not so lucky. This day is always bittersweet for me because although I mourn the many friends I've lost to addiction, I can be grateful for the day I got a second chance at life and turned and never turned back. I'm so grateful for my parents, Annabelle and Dave, Steven Boyarski, Gil Manason, Tim Grizoirthwitz, Michael Makia, Machia, whatever you say his name, for helping me change my life, and Agus for giving me the best gift I will ever receive. Ever receive. Here's to 50 more years of freedom. And uh, he didn't thank Dopey, but that's okay. Uh, he thanked Dopey in the, in the comments. But Axel, congratulations, and if anyone else is celebrating, please send in uh, an email or a voicemail. I think it's nice uh, with all the death and shit to honor life and recovery once in a while. Even though this is, of course, not a podcast about recovery. But once in a while, we can talk about it. Now, there's so much stuff coming up. DopeyCon is just inching towards us. We're almost out of tickets. It's a lot of people that are coming. Catered by Katz's. Brandon Novak's coming. Andy Roy's coming. Aaron Carr's coming. Chloe LeBranch is coming. Maybe Skinny Vinny's coming. I didn't put him on the poster, but he might be coming. Fucking Smiling Joe is coming. Coming. I just ran into Fentanyl J. Uh, He looks like he's going to come with Wheeze, I think. Fucking uh, Jersey Jerry might come. You never know. You never know who's going to come. Tickets are available on the website. This week, as long as I get healthy, I'm flying to Park City, Utah for the Park City Song Summit, which I'm incredibly happy about. I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff out there. I'm meeting my friend Brad, who actually came up with the idea for Dopey, Uh, that I stole from him and, uh, I'm going to take him to the festival and have, and have, and have a time of it. So I'm ridiculously excited for that. I also want to say, subscribe to Patreon. There's somebody on Patreon named Faye and Faye always gives me shit that I don't put up audio. So I put up audio for the, the Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is a pop star, an ex-teen pop star from England. He tells some really good stories. He tells an amazing Amy Winehouse story. So go to Patreon and listen to Cav, all right? Also, I got a note I got a note from somebody who actually like listened to the Oro fucking ad and, and went to Oro, which is amazing. I also got a note from, um, from this person. Hold on, I'm going to read you this note. Uh, blah 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 blah. Oh, I wanted to share a huge thanks to you. I lost my father in November to an overdose. I have been listening to the pod for about a year or more before his passing. And while I was always compassionate and understanding uh, to his pain and struggles with addiction, the, the amount I learned, I was always compassionate and understanding to his pain and struggles with addiction. The amount I learned being a part of this community has changed my life. I was wondering if there's any way to get more involved. How do I join some of the meetings, Zooms, Facebook group? I feel strongly the need to be a larger part of a larger conversation. Thank you again. Uh, keep up the great work. So, yeah, join the dopey, uh, dopey Nation Facebook. Go to the Dopey Nation Zoom. The ID number is 804-300-586. The password is always toodles with a lowercase Everything. I'm fucking sick. So fucking annoying. I mean, part of me does like it because I'm off the table, but I also don't like to really be off the table. Like, my my Nora just redid her room, and she wants me to hang up a mirror, which uh, I think I'm gonna do, right? Um, And I just want to, like, be sequestered. What are you guys watching on TV? So far I'm not impressed with House of Dragons. It seems like House of Gabbage to me. It's like... I don't know. I feel like they should have done a Game of Thrones prequel closer to the uh, the whatever the days of ice and fire, whatever the 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 old series was, and you could see uh, the Starks and all that shit. That would have been better than this shit with all these people in white wigs. I don't know. Drop an email. Let me know what you guys think of the House of Dragons. I mean, we're only on episode two. I just don't care. I also didn't think The Bear was very good. Everyone loved The Bear. First episode was great. It went totally downhill. The Bear could have just been called The Gabbage. I'm totally tempted to watch Oz again. Now, Jersey Jerry has a show on Barstool Sports called Friend of Jerry's. It is a recovery show. He uh, Barstool Sports is like a, a block away from my dad's house. I was uh, told about Jerry and... I I bugged him for a long time to come on Dopey. And then out of nowhere, he invited me to go on his show, Friend of Jerry's. So I got to go on Friend of Jerry's. And then Jerry, you know, reluctantly came to my dad's to record a Dopey episode. So here's Jersey Jerry. But before we do Jersey Jerry, let's have a word from our sponsor, Better Help. I know for me, it's very easy to get stuck in my head on a problem which is why I do online therapy. I do online therapy so I can be reminded of a solution uh, every week. So I can talk to somebody who makes it easier for me to understand my problem and how how to make it easier to accomplish my goals. If they're little goals, if they're big goals, if it's just a feeling a little better, to talk to a therapist is always helpful. I've been in therapy many times over the years. In the beginning, it was uh, around addiction and misery. Then it was around being separated from Linda. And recently it was around Sam quitting Dopey. And I talked to Sam every day and he quit. And I I needed to talk to somebody. And talking to a therapist was awesome. It definitely helped me out with stress. It definitely made me feel more confident week in and week out. If you are... Thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. At least it can help. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dopey Podcast today and get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp.com slash Dopey Podcast get some better help right now. All right. And here we go. Uh, Jersey Jerry straight out of fucking bar stool from my dad's house. You know, before we get to Jersey Jerry, I want to do one more before we do it. Uh, When I gave you my list of people at DopeyCon, it was not as thorough as it should have been. Here's a more thorough list. Ray Brown is going to be at DopeyCon. Tim from Dank Recovery is going to be there. Like I said, Brandon Novak, Andy Roy, Chloe LeBranch, Nick from Dark Side of the Spoon, Brian from Straight Pepper Diet, Aaron Carr, my dad, Linda, I said Ray, me, my friend Jim will probably be there, and probably a ton of other people within the doposphere. Mick Popham will be there, Katie Bates, fucking James Glennie, who's busting out art on a daily basis. God bless you, James. All right, here he is from Barstool Sports in the great state of New Jersey, Jersey Jerry who might be there, too. Also, other special guests. Go on the website and buy a DopeyCon ticket. They're going to f- sell out, and you're going to be like, fuck, I wish I went to DopeyCon. It's probably going to be the most important live event around drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And it's catered by Katz's, and it's going to be like this incredible explosion of emotion and good times. Oh, Br'er Brian's going to be there. Fucking Tony Mansions, a.k.a. titty meat writer Johnny Takev. All right, enough about DopeyCon. Ah, but before we get to Jersey Jerry one last time, go buy Dopey Candles. Go to the website, hit uh, the link for the Dopey Candles. We're in a partnership with a company called North Avenue Candle Company. It's com slash collection slash Dopey, or just click on the link on the website. Candles are really good. If you want to get a candle, you want to get a Dopey Candle, get one from North Ave Candle Company. They're great. All right, enough with me saying, but before we do this, Here's Jersey Jerry. I'm at my dad's apartment, and I have a very special guest who is very hesitant to come here. And before we get into all that, like, this guy's a big deal. He's on Barstool Sports. He's a, a gambling aficionado. He's a fucking drug addict in recovery. His name is Jersey Jerry. Welcome welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, no, hesitant to come here for sure. Uh you know, I was skeptical at first, and then as I'm walking inside the building, I'm like, "Oh, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna kill me." Definitely, he's gonna. That's why he wants me here. He wants to kill me.
0: Was that your feeling downstairs? Yeah, hundred <laughs> like,
1: percent. Like, it was oh, A little,
0: little low, too low income.
1: Yeah, this is a little too low income. This <laughs> something's up here. But no, I'm happy to be here. Dave is a good guy, man, and uh, you were on my show. Yes, which was great. We had a good time, good conversation, and I'm sure you'll be back in the in the future. And I'm excited
0: dude, fucking, he comes in and I'm trying to impress him with all this shit. I'm telling him about how you guys bought the roadcaster and I'm setting up the mics and I'm all nonchalant and then the machine didn't turn on. And, like, the machine has never not turned on. So I, I want to, it's just embarrassing. It's a bad omen. Not to mention... Like, we set this thing up, and then we pushed it back, and then I needed to eat. I wound up stealing my dad's food. He asked me not to eat because I was nervous that we wouldn't get this done. (laughs) He had wonton soup and an egg roll in the fridge, and he explicitly said, do not eat this food. And I did because I needed to eat before you got here, but it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, I was eating before I got here, too. I had a Lunchable. I know. I was impressed. No free ads, but I had a Lunchable. Yeah, no free ads, for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm advertising the, the horrible Chinese place in the neighborhood. Um, so what the fuck, Jerry? I, I want to know, you're, you're big time on Barstool. Yeah. Barstool, everyone's very impressed with
1: Barstool Sports. Mm-hmm. How did you get there? So pretty much this is how it happened. I had a viral video of a freakout of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost. You uh, love the Steelers. Love the Steelers. So about five, six years ago, I had a viral video, and it was a freak out. I was screaming at my mom upstairs. Steelers just lost in the playoffs to the Jaguars. It was miserable. Anyway, a website that I had no idea about called Barstool Sports, they picked it up, and they put it on their page. And they didn't tag me or anything, but, like, my friends were hitting me up, like, yo, dude, Barstool just posted your video. I'm like, what the hell is Barstool? Like, I don't really know what that is. So, uh, long story short, it got – I want to say upwards uh, of close to forty or fifty million views. What were you, what was the video? It was a, it was me saying that I was going to kill myself, and I told my mom I ain't doing dishes tonight. I'm not doing nothing. You'll you'll find me hanging from the bathroom. So the video exploded. Barstool kind of reached out, uh, and Dave reached out, and pretty much said, "Dave Portnoy, yeah, it was hey, we're doing some event. I see you're from Jersey. We're doing some event at the Meadowlands Racetrack. We would love to have you there." Okay, so I go. They have a separate little reserve table for me, VIP. Got to meet Dave for the first time. Uh, Exchanged phone numbers with him. Yeah. So so after that, I'm like, uh, Were you sober? Yeah, I was sober. I started following the page, and I'm like, Oh, dude, this company is friggin' awesome. Like, they post the funniest stuff. I got to know the characters, like you know, Big Cat. um, He has probably the biggest sports podcast in the world with Eric, who's also on the show. And they have all these different types of networks and podcasts and, you know, different things, funny videos. And I was like, oh, I would love to work here. So for about, I'd say, the next four or five years, I would always DM them, you know, my funny freak out videos and my gambling videos and whatnot. And it would never really get a response. And then one day I remembered to myself, this is like going back, you know, a couple of years. I said, I have this guy's number in my phone. I have the You had f- forgotten that yes. he gave
2: you the
0: number, yes. which is like the golden ticket for anybody trying to do what you do. Exactly. So or I, I do for y- that matter. Yeah.
1: So I had the number in my phone. So I said, Oh my God, I've spent years trying to DM this company. You know, sometimes they read it, sometimes they don't. I, I just messaged Dave. And I was like, hey Dave, Jersey Jerry from the Steelers Freak Out Suicide video. I'd love to come work for you. Long story short, I went there, I did an interview.
0: A block away from my dad's house.
1: Yes, did the interview, offered me the job. I said no. Nice. I said no because at the time I had a very, very good union job. I was working for a company called uh, PSCG out in New Jersey, and I did un- underground high-pressure gas lines. And I didn't want to leave. So a couple weeks later, this other guy, Kevin Connolly. Do you know who that is?
0: Kevin Connolly. It sounds entourage.
1: The... Yeah, 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 yeah. He reaches out.
0: Which one is he on Entourage? Turtle?
1: Uh, E from Entourage. Okay, okay. So he reaches out, likes my stuff. He's not Turtle. No, definitely not. He reached out, loved my stuff, offered me a job. I could still work at public service, and I just had to do one show a week for him for, like, 60 grand. Nice. So I was like, that's easy money. I did that. I got a message from Dave saying, you're making a big mistake, you know? Uh, What was
0: Kevin Connolly's deal?
1: He has a company called Action Park Media.
0: And was it was it like a uh, competitor to Barstool?
1: I wouldn't call them a competitor, really. Honestly, they're. Uh, See, no one's
0: asking me to work anywhere, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I took the job with Kevin, and it was uh, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. He is. Uh, he's a pretty shitty boss. Wow. But, yeah. So
0: you're giving the straight hot take on E.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to you know like a scumbag would bro. you
0: say you're putting e on blast oh
1: yeah for sure 100 percent. you know i always do and okay i, I ain't got no problem doing it uh he was very scumbaggy on on entourage yeah he was so it wasn't a stretch for no 100 percent. no so so you know i worked there for a couple months then one day just stopped stop paying me and i was like, yo what the fuck is this you know what i mean i signed a year deal for mm. 60 grand like you know he's like oh we don't really need you no more
0: that's what he said yeah he's a jersey guy
1: I don't know. No, he's not. Did he say, we guy.
0: don't really need you no more? Yeah. Like that?
1: Yeah, kind like, of. So pretty much he had an editor. He had one of his editors tell me that. Ugh. He never even straight up told me that. So... I'll is doubt. his
0: still? Is his shit still out there?
1: Yeah, but it's bottom of the barrel type of stuff. You know what I mean? So... Maybe they'd
0: hire me over there. I mean, you don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm, trust just, me. I'm just kidding.
1: And, uh, you know, I reached back out to Dave and he's like, I told you. You made a mistake. And I was like, hey, man, listen, I, I did make a mistake. I, I... I should have just took the job, you know, took him a few months. uh, But, you know, my last text to him was, hey, listen, uh, this will be my last text message to you. I'm going to stop bothering you. But just know you're going to make a big mistake if you don't hire me. Nice. And then he's like, hey, I'll be in my office Thursday this time. Boom. I went there, told him I work for free for the first six months. I said, I don't want no pay for the first six months. I want to prove to you, you know, he's like, "Okay, deal. No problem. After I worked there for one day, he offered me the job. And that's kind of how it started.
0: What was the gig? Just
1: a content creator. You know, with Barstool, which I do now. You know, I do stuff on the gambling side. Um, I have my own podcast now. I'm actually starting another podcast, specifically niche for the Steelers.
0: Well, his and, and Dopey Nation, you need to understand that Jerry and I hooked up because I had a friend who's a huge fan of yours, and he's like, yo, this guy, Jersey Jerry, he's in recovery. He's a fucked-up drug addict. He does a podcast, kind of like Dopey, called Friend of Jerry's. And that's how we hooked up. And, like, so you got in... I mean, you got into Barstool doing crazy content, yes. but then you wound up being like, I'd love to do a show about recovery.
1: Yes, because, listen, there's only... You get to Barstool, and it's like, okay, the big football shows are taken. The big baseball stuff is taken somebody already does that they're very successful at it the big other gambling stuff is kind of taken but i still do my stuff with them there was nothing really for like addiction sobriety and i was like hey this is my passion you know i love being sober and i said fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna start my own show i was gonna start a gambling podcast i have a friend who who moved
0: to costa rica and he started working for one of these betting companies down there Maybe you know him. His name is Peter Loshak. He has a giant mustache. Mm-hmm. He calls himself Loshak. <laughs> um, he's funny. I wanted to set up a podcast with Peter and a bunch of the guys at Katz's and call it The Jew and the Dominicans. <laughs> and because uh, the guys at Katz's are so passionate about sports. Uh-huh. Like, and, and Peter. Peter's very unreliable, but if you want to do something with these guys at Katz's, they're brilliant and they're fucking hardcore New Yorkers. Oh yeah, and they know everything about sports.
2: Sports, yeah.
0: Like, and they're degenerate gamblers too. Yeah, they're great. So let's talk about that later. When's the first time you got high? This isn't fucking what's your career day. When did you when did you get high?
1: Was uh, like uh, like marijuana or like sure uh, marijuana? I'd say fifteen.
0: You didn't love. You didn't love weed, though? No. I went on Jerry's show, and I called Weed Bud, and he's like, what are you talking yeah.
1: about? Uh, so, yeah, at 15 years old, I kind of got you know, interested in it, and I was like, fuck it. After baseball practice one day, I smoked, and it wasn't really for me. But then I started to smoke a lot more. And Drinking, too? I only drank twice my whole life. Interesting. I was never a big drinker I either. only drank um, junior prom and senior prom, and that's the only time I ever drank my whole life. So what what went wrong? Uh, One day I was at school and, you know, I tried to like do the whole selling pot thing or whatever like that. Wasn't really successful. And um, this one kid, he was like, hey, you should start selling these. You know, you'll get money for these. And I didn't know what they were at the time, but they were painkillers, Percocets, the yellow ones, uh, 10 milligram. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, I could try, you know, selling them. And I started selling them because I would take them from my grandmother's medicine cabinet. In my house, because I knew I, the pill looked familiar, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like this lady has bottles and bottles of these. She'll never know."
0: Was your grandma very infirmed?
1: What does that mean? Like sick? In no, pain? no, no. Why
0: does she have so many Parkinson's? No, cells?
1: I get you, you, so she would she would get them every month. You know what I mean? Okay. And she would just take one or two when she was in pain or whatever, like that. Her legs hurt.
0: So you weren't stealing your grandmother's medicine that she needed?
1: No, I, I wouldn't say she needed it. <laughs> not that, not then at least. <laughs> no, but then I took one. And i never forget the way it made me feel. I said, I want to feel like this the rest of my life. And then after that, it was off to the races.
0: What did it do for you?
1: It, it made me feel I, like I didn't. I was numb to everything. I was a good athlete in school. I wasn't really the most popular guy, you know what I mean? But it just made me feel like, oh, man, this is a feeling that I want to feel the rest of my life. And then I actually had sex on it. And, and it was like, oh, my God, a God, you know what I mean? fucking lasted 45 minutes an hour it's like these girls are impressed now it is very impressive right yeah and it's like you know i found myself start taking it just to fuck girls and and i was like oh wow like this is great and like i even had one girl tell me she's like wow i can't believe how long you last like usually like when i have sex it's like guys done in five minutes i'm like oh no i'm a king man did you say it's because of the percocet no no (laughs) you never you never let them know the secret recipe not the secret no well, that's amazing
0: because it's like opiates are like, they make you feel so good. They make you not give a shit about anything. They make it so nothing can get to you. And I mean, I naturally, I would come very quickly. Yeah. And when I got on heroin, I could last forever. So it was like yeah. this amazing side effect of this drug that I loved so much.
1: Yeah, and I feel like nobody like ever really talks about that. You know what I mean? Uh, For me, at least from my experience, it's like I found myself like, I wouldn't fuck a girl unless I was on it. You well, know what I, mean? I mean, after you know the, the before and yes. after. Yeah.
0: But now they're doing, you see this hymns business? No. There's some company that does male enhancement drugs. Uh-huh. Like, that's all they do. Really? And I I'm, I don't know. Maybe they know that I used to come very quickly because I'm <laughs> getting these ads all the time. And it's like some woman in bed with the dude, and the woman's like, you came so quick. And they order hymns, and they don't need to take Percocet or heroin because they could take oh, hymns so gotcha, they can last. Gotcha, gotcha. But I think it is. I think it's great. to. I don't think in the history of Dopey, anyone has mentioned the great not... It's funny because my my partner, right? I relapsed on heroin, you know, a million years ago. And all of a sudden I could have sex and last forever. And she was like, what's wrong with me now? Yeah. She's like, why are you not coming? Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't exactly. It wasn't a bonus for her that time, yeah. which is funny in itself.
1: Yeah. I feel like when you're you know, like, I don't know, when I was younger, it was a little different. Like these girls just love to fuck. You know what I mean? I don't care how long it was, you know, my, in my early high school. And then when, when I went to college, it was crazy. You know what I mean?
0: So it was like a real sex drug thing.
1: For me, for a while, yeah, 100%. 100%.
0: And were you selling a ton of it?
1: I was selling a good amount of it. I, I actually, once, once my grandmother found out and my mom found out, like, I obviously couldn't steal them anymore. So what I would do was, was this. is I, I, Kind of like these buildings here where we're at now, there's a building like this next, next to my house where I live. Right. So I linked up with this like 65, 70-year-old lady, Spanish lady. Her name was Mommy. And what I did was I told her, like, hey, you know, uh, somebody referred me to you and they said you got, you know, that you get this every month. This person who used her was locked up at the time. And a friend of theirs gave me the connection. So I was like, well, he's locked up now. Nobody's using this lady. Perfect timing. I'll ask her. And she was pretty much my connect. Uh, Mommy's the plug. She was the plug. I love that. So she would she would pretty much, you know, supply me with yellows and blues, Percocet 10s and 30s every month, you know what I mean, for pretty cheap, <laughs> I'd say. How cheap? Uh $2 a pill for the yellows and the blues were $7 a pill. And how much did you move them for? 25 for the blues and then 10 for the yellows.
0: So you're always making money. Oh
1: yeah. And it got to the point where like even towards the end right i i you know i wasn't making any money but i had enough to you know stay well yes exactly so i wouldn't get sick which i had no idea at the time i never got sick until later on you know but uh yeah she was the plug for a couple couple years two years i'd say
0: when's the first time you got sick
1: uh the first time i got sick was i think i want to say i was around 18 18 yeah about 18 or 19 years old somewhere around then it was the first time i got sick she wasn't around and i didn't have anything and i had nobody to get it from so after like i'd say the first
0: you knew it was withdrawal as soon as it hit you because
1: you didn't have the pills well yeah because i've heard about it you know what i mean i've heard this this kind of stuff happens
0: and were your customers going into withdrawal all over the place and they were like no you know
1: because they had other people they can get from as well you know what i mean I, I, didn't, I wasn't really in the business like that, you know what I mean? So pretty much I just didn't have it for a couple hours. And then I remember waking up um, and just not feeling right. And like as the day got uh, went along, I was like, whoa, this is kind of weird. You know what I mean? I'm, my body hurts. It actually like physically hurts. And then I'm just, you know, ha- ha- going to the bathroom and I'm like, oh, my God, this is pretty bad. And I have to stop this. And the next day, I got my hands on some, and it just went away, you know?
0: Well, it's the best feeling. It's like the greatest feeling. Like the greatest feeling probably I've ever felt is to be sick, know that dope is coming, yes. and then using it. And it's, yeah. like, it's like a video game.
1: So I feel like before I even take the drug my withdrawal symptoms stop when it's in my hand you know what i mean when it's like you don't think about it and you you know you stop being sick yeah yeah. because you like your body knows you're about to get it
0: it's so it it can i wonder what it's doing in that moment like what what is the chemical that's being produced in that pre-using but i mean like when you're sick and you're and i've talked about this a million times but when you're sick and you're Empty. You you you're you're shitting yourself and you're sweating and you're cold inside and you feel like the world is ending, and then you take a tiny bit of this thing and all of a sudden you're all good. Yeah, it's like the most remarkable horrible thing in the world. Oh yeah, because nobody experiences that. Yes,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: So so you're 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 selling fucking percocets and the blues are perks too. Yeah, like the perk perk 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never I. I I would do that stuff. Like I never had a connection for that stuff. Gotcha. I only had heroin connections, mm-hmm. and I would do that stuff if I was trying to kick or if somebody had gotcha. it. But no ne- it was never like my thing.
1: Gotcha.
0: So then, is that did you go to school yet? And have you done yeah, coke yet?
1: Yeah. So I've I've never snorted coke in my life. I've only smoked crack.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Yeah. So I went to rehab for the first time when I was about uh, eighteen.
0: Before school.
1: Right before college. Yeah. I went to rehab. Uh, you know, my mom, dad, and family found out. And they are like, hey, we got to get you away. Where'd you go? This place in Nork, New Jersey called Integrity House.
0: You say Newark like Artie says Newark. Yeah. Nork,
1: Nork. Yeah. So I went there. And, you know, I, when I was in there, like, pe- there was people that were mandated there from prison. Uh, people there because of drug court. Uh, so I was kind of like one of the only few walk-ins in the rehab. And I was the youngest kid there. And, uh, you know, I remember, like, hearing people's stories and how they were, you know, they were in there because, you know, they're a crack user, or heroin user, or a drug dealer and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, I never did heroin before, you know. And, you know, they would talk about all the old spots. They used to go and get it. Anyway, I, I actually graduated uh, the 90 days I got out. And then... After a couple of days, I found myself going to one of the spots and of I was course. like, hey, do you, you know, you guys have heroin. And they're like, yeah, you know, kind of skeptical at first. And I was like, yeah, how much is it? You know, they're like, oh, five bucks a bag. And I'm like, all right, I'll just do one cheap as fuck. I'm like, fuck it. I did one. And it was the same feeling I had with the Percocets times t- times 20 and cheap. Yeah. And cheaper. So I said, well, this is
0: it. Were you scared? Like, when you went to Integrity House, Mm -hmm. like, how bad were you before you went there?
1: Like, did you, were you? So I wasn't at the point where I was stealing yet. I wasn't at the point that I was, you know, robbing people in the family, robbing drug dealers. I wasn't at that point yet, but my, my family was very worried.
0: How did they find out?
1: So pretty much one night, my mom gave me a drug test and it, it failed. For she was just
0: like, "You're fucking yeah, obviously you're, high, you're, you're
1: high. It's not weed. You know, you're doing other things. We're gonna give you a drug test. My, like, all right, sure. You know, uh, I took it and failed. And I'm like, like, yeah, like, I've been doing this for a little while now. Uh, I would, you know, I need some help. I want. I don't want to do this anymore.'" So they put me in the program.
0: Did your family ever do drugs at all?
1: Yeah, my father. Yeah, he was a drug dealer for a long time 30 years, 35 years. What was he selling? Uh, he sold coke, uh, guns, uh, heroin, pills. And
0: you live with him? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they were very experienced with this stuff then. Yeah, my dad, you know, he's been in, a, he's never had a job, you know. Uh, he's been in a out of prison for his whole life. You know, he's institutionalized. Uh, it's kind of like all he knows how to do. Um,
0: What's he doing now?
1: He's a drug counselor.
0: That's awesome.
1: He's a drug counselor now. Yeah. How much time does he have? Uh, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. Okay. A year, two All years. Right. All right. He He's got out of prison like three, four years ago. So
0: something. how was that growing up with that?
1: It's kind of like I idolized it, you know, and I wanted to be like that. You know what I mean? But there was many talks where he's like, hey, you don't want to live this life. This life is miserable. You know what I mean? When did you find out what he did? Well, early 10, 11 years old.
0: So why don't we start with that? <laughs> what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you see these guys coming in your house, suits, Mercedes-Benz, Rolexes, diamonds, you know? It's like, who the fuck are these people, you know? In and out of your house every day, you know? He was also like a bookie and, you know, with gambling and stuff like that, but...
0: Classic street guy. Yeah,
1: you know, he's supported his mom since he was... Dad left him when he was like 13, 14. So he supported his mother since he's... uh since he's a young kid, you know, 13, 14, selling drugs, you know.
0: And you never went to him for a source or anything?
1: Towards the end.
0: But yeah. not not when you started? No. And he didn't know. Who noticed you were high first, and was he high? He knew.
1: Right. He would, like, talk my mom and tell her, like, hey, he's fucked up, you know. And right. She's like, no, he's not. Stop it, you know. He's hitting home runs in baseball. Like, it's fine, you know. He's doing good, you know. He's getting ready to go to college for baseball and stuff, like... But, yeah, no, he knew all along. Just my mom was the one who was like, yeah, no way. My son would never do this stuff.
0: How did your mom survive in a marriage to a hardcore drug addict and drug dealer? Uh, She was using or not using? No, my
1: mom's a saint.
0: All right, listen, it's a fair a question. She's a saint, Dave. All right, I'm with you. I, I, no, no disrespect, Jerry. I'm not disrespecting your mother. I'm asking you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting family unit yes. to come out of. Yes,
1: so my mom been working since she's 14 years old. She's not rich by any means, but she can run a household. She raised both me and my sister. My sister turned out perfectly fine, you know what I mean? Never and she even...
0: loved your dad.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For a long time. For a very, very long time. You know, his last time in prison, he was there for eight years. You know, and she, my mother never went out. She never went to bars, never went to a club. I've never seen another man on Facebook or, like, nothing. Are they still together? uh no not anymore no
0: how did that end
1: um kind of like you know just so about a year ago i'd say like uh kind of had a lot of differences you know he was coming home late and we kind of figured he was up to something you know what i mean And my mom's like yeah, I'm, I'm done you know what i mean fuck this shit like
0: she went as far as she could yeah
1: like you know it's 35 years ago and it's like how much can you fucking take you know
0: so you come out of integrity house 90 days it's a long time for a kid to go to rehab yes it's not a short rehab you come out everyone's hopeful yes. and you've learned how to cop heroin
1: exactly you know and then shortly after heroin um i'd say after the first two months three months it was like okay crack cocaine now uh, i just wanted to get higher and higher and higher which was you know i always say this i, I wish i didn't i wish i knew this at the time I was always nervous about the whole mixing, you know, heroin and crack and stuff like that. Which I wish I could have had the chance to try it, but I never got the chance to.
0: I, I everyone lives by I I, I never I, I used to shoot speed balls and I would yeah. shoot goofballs with uh-huh. meth and dope. And it was good, but I like the str- I mean, whatever.
1: Yeah. So you know. so when crack came into the picture when I was nineteen the heroin just stopped. And I went wow. to... It just completely stopped. I just stopped it. And... That's I, unusual. I went to the doc, my mom, and I was like, hey, like, I've heard about this thing called Suboxone, and it'll help me stop. And sure enough, I was going to the doctor, and I was getting, you know, uh, I think like 30 strips. It was an invisible thing yeah, you put on yeah, your tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting like 30 of them a month, so I would take like one one eight milligram a day. And I obviously wouldn't, wasn't sick from the opiate withdrawal. Um, and I was just smoking crack, and I and I smoked crack for two years, without without you know doing heroin. I was on Suboxone.
0: So at the end of a night of smoking crack, you wouldn't
1: need something to come down. Mm, I mean, I, yeah, for sure. But I, uh, you know, the see, crack is an interesting drug t- for me because like, you know, you can smoke crack for fucking eight nine hours straight. You know what I mean? Nonstop. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And it's like, you know, it's tough to go to sleep. It's The feeling is so much different than heroin because the crack is it's all in your head. You know what I mean? The heroin is physical. body. So I'd rather deal with a physical withdrawal for me than the mental. Than
0: the compulsion.
1: Yes, because it was, you know, there was many times, you know, you see the people looking out the blinds, hiding under fucking, I was hiding under trucks when my family was looking for me on the street. Like, crack was crazy, man. Crack so like,
0: let's talk about that time though. So you start doing heroin, and I
1: went away multiple times for heroin. Multiple. Uh, though my last to tre- treatment or yeah, to jail. Yeah, my last treatment center was my 14th. But in between, you know, 18 to 19, there was college. I got kicked out of college. You know what I mean? Just a bunch of stuff happened. Went away multiple times. Couldn't figure it out. You know. Give me a good, a good crack story uh a good one what so i i ran out of money um i was on the street it was actually my last time i ever got high i was on the street i was you know having showered for a long time i'd say a couple weeks um nobody knew where i was at and where uh, were you staying next to a dumpster by dunkin donuts wow yeah so uh I, i didn't have any money obviously i didn't have nobody to steal nobody to rob from Panhandling was bad that day, and I went on through the afternoon. And I said to myself, fuck it, I'm going to I'm gonna try to rob one of these guys. So down where I used to cop, you know, they you would go down there, you would, you know, ring the bell, like, hey, you know, I need this. I'm like, okay, he'll come down. He'll take a walk with you around the corner. So this time I actually had a buddy who had a car. So I went out, beeped outside. He came downstairs, and I'm like, he was like, hey, I need this, I need this. I didn't have any money. So he hops in the car in the back seat. I'm in the passenger seat. My buddy's in the driver's seat. And we go. And he's like, all right, uh, where's the money? And I'm like, hell, can you spot me? Can you spot me? He's like, no, I ain't spotting you, bro. You know, I'm not spotting you. I'm like, dude, please, like, spot me. He's like, no, I'm not doing it, man. I told you I'm not doing it. I was like, dude, I prompt, like, dude, I will give you the money. I'll give you double. He's like, bro, if I ever see you down here again, I'm going to fucking kill you without my money. He gets out the car. He didn't give you the crack. Huh? He didn't give it to So listen, he, he, he gets out the car. I, I have a baseball bat in the front seat. He gets out the car. I get out the passenger side. I walk around the back, and I'm creeping towards him. And so what they would do is they would bring you around the corner because they had a stash spot with all their drugs. You know, they never kept stuff inside. They would keep it in, like, underneath trees, buried, you know what I mean, in, like, you know, uh, sewer lines and stuff, taped and stuff. So that's how they did it. Yeah, I get out the car. And I just cracked him in the head and he fell. And I ran towards the tree where he was, looks like he was going to. I look down and it's buried. And there's like, I see like a Ziploc thing. So I just pick it up and I'm like, Oh, I've never seen this much drugs before. This is the jackpot. I run, he's on the, on the ground. Out. He's out cold, like out cold. I, I, I I'll, Still to this day, I'll never know what happened. Get back in the car. We take off, you know, and I give, I give my, my buddy some stuff, you know, not a bunch of stuff, but I give him some stuff, and I take the rest. And I got high for about, I'd say, I don't know, two straight days. It's nuts. It's probably the craziest story. I've, I've never went back down the street. I never even drove down it again.
0: Do you live anywhere near
1: there? Uh, I'd say I live about a five to six-minute walk.
0: Wow. Yeah. Imagine like you run into the dude now like with your kid or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's scary. Yeah. So let me ask you this though cuz it's a long way from drug dealing rehab kid to homeless. Yeah. Like and 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 I never was homeless. Like I always say like I I don't think I would have made it. Uh, on heroin if I didn't have cable TV, yeah, you know I'm like, i I'm like, I'm like middle class, bougie, yeah. lazy fucker who would eat ice cream sandwiches and gain weight on yeah. heroin. But like, tell us a bit about that, the decline and
1: how it how it went down. The decline happened really, really fast when I got introduced to crack. I would always have like my mom would always like give me a pl- like she knew the deal. You she know loved I mean? you too. Yeah, you know she Italian never, she, family. Yeah, she never gave up on me. You know what I mean. She's actually the one who found me. But the decline was very, very fast when I started smoking crack. It got to the point where I would steal things here and there, you know what I mean, before crack and stuff like that, laptops and stuff like that. And then once I started smoking crack, there was was no holds barred, you know what I mean? You know, I'm stealing my mom's mortgage money out of her room. You know, I'm stealing cell phones out the house. So... The decline happened so fast, and the you could just see it, too, as well. Like, I lost so much weight, you know, I went into rehab at, like, 122 pounds. Right. You know, so you could just see it from not eating, not sleeping. I had bags under my eyes. You know, anything I wore was just gross. But, yeah, dude, it was, uh and it happened fast, too. How did she kick you out? So my mother never kicked me out. There was just times, there was just these spurts where I was never like officially, like I could go back home if I wanted to. You know what I mean? I was never like officially homeless. I always had a place to sleep. I always had food on the table if I wanted to eat. It was just, you know, being so embarrassed and just I didn't want to go through it all again. And and so there would be these spans of like a week, two weeks, three weeks where I would just disappear. And, you know, they would try to find me every day until the last time you know after that the your de-
0: folks would go looking for you
1: yeah like two days after like i found i got those drugs um i remember just you know being next to a dumpster and just my mom getting her coffee or something in the morning and just found me and just you know broke down and said we got to send you far away was it just crack in the bag Yeah, so it was crack, yeah. Did you miss heroin? I mean, like,
0: I'm such a heroin addict. I I smoked crack like three times in my life or whatever. I did more coke than I ever should have done, Mm -hmm. but I never liked it. Yeah. I always loved doing an upper and having dope, doing an upper and having Mm -hmm. benzos. And, like, you were done with heroin and pills the second you found Yeah, I just
1: didn't care about it. That's very interesting. I just didn't care about it. I just, I found my love, you know what I mean? This is, like, to me, it was, like, Fuck, I don't care. Like I don't care about that warm and fuzzy feeling anymore. I want to get my fucking head fucking spinning and the fucking wah, wah, yeah, the, wah. The bell ringing. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's and nothing like listen, there you didn't shoot the Coke. Never, no. Did you ever shoot anything? No, never. All right. Yeah, never.
0: My partner who died, Chris, he lived for shooting Coke. Gotcha. And people who shoot Coke, I shot Coke a couple times, but it was I was I Coke just wasn't my drug. I think I'm so up Mm -hmm. naturally. As it is, yeah. That like Coke didn't
1: do it for me. Yeah. You know what's weird about the crack is it's kind of like, for me at least, it just in a way had the opposite effect. Right, right. Which was really weird to me. Like you see people zooming around and zooming. It never did that for me. It half-timed it for you, right? Yes. Yeah, I 100%. could see that. I could
0: see that. It's like, but it's all weird brain chemistry shit yes. that we're all dealing with. Yes. So, so, But your dad is this hardcore addict
1: and dealer. Yes. When you're in the street, how does he deal with you and do you ever go to him for drugs? Well, he was in prison at the time. Uh uh-huh. You know, when it got bad, bad, you know, 19 to 20. 21 it was he was away he was he wasn't home you know he had to deal with it from the phone calls you know what i mean That my mom would give him like hey he's missing again you know what i mean it's like you know they're arguing i told you i told you You know what i mean and you didn't have a wife like your dad did no no i didn't the I didn't, dope yeah. the percocet dope dick didn't land <laughs> no, you a no, life mate at the time oh no, not at all right i'd say like i even like stopped pretty much having sex for Two years, maybe? I don't think I had sex for, like, five years out there. Yeah. It was, like, so sad. Oh, yeah.
0: And I didn't care.
1: I didn't care either. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, this was my girlfriend, in in a way.
0: Yeah, well, very very much so. So, like, every time through the years, like, Mm -hmm. you said you did 14 fucking treatments.
1: 14 inpatient, yeah. More detoxes, you know, psych wards and stuff. But inpatient rehab, 14.
0: So, like from 18 to how old 21. were you just in those three years yeah. Yeah. so like so you never wanted to get sober. No. so no just
1: always went away to please people you know just get them off my back for a few weeks few months whatever the case may be and then just go right back to doing what i wanted to do
0: and it was always just straight up like that or was always like maybe this will work like when i would go mm-hmm. when i would go i would run out of money mm-hmm. and since it was always heroin i would get so sick yeah. And that's that equation in my mind, like, how much money do I need to stay high? And it never equals out. Exactly. You're yeah. never gonna exactly. get there. So no. it's like to go to go to treatment, you're like, well, my tolerance will go down. Yeah. And I won't be really sick. I I was such a pussy. I couldn't handle... Yeah, the withdrawal. uh, Yeah, I was like, I got got to go somewhere. And in the back of my head, I was like, well, maybe my whole brain will change when I'm there (laughs) and I'll want it all of a sudden and something magical will happen. And it never did. And, And I did, you know... I did a, like a few treatments, like real treatments, like three, but yeah. I did unlimited detoxes. Yeah,
1: for sure. You know, I had a bunch of detoxes, you know. I always went in there and like I never wanted to get sober. I'd say around like the, the 12th one, I'd say, that I've been to, I really tried. Like I, I really wanted to kind of get sober, like the 12th and 13th one, like I, I really wanted to.
0: Was it your mom? Like, was your mom the big reason? Oh, yeah.
1: She was like, you know, we're going to send you away no matter how many times. It'll eventually work, you know. She's right. It did work. (laughs) You know, it did work. Um, But the last time I didn't want to get sober, you know, I really didn't. And uh, you're
0: 21 years old. 21.
1: The last time my mom found me, she's like, we're going to send you really far away. I've never been out of the state. So I've always been to New Jersey places. And she's like, hey, we're going to send you super far away. I don't care how far it is. You're going far away, and you're not going to come home for a long time. It's like, hey, whatever. I'm done. I, you know, I'm tired of being out here. I'll Just send me away. I don't give a fuck. I'll find my way out there. They booked me a one-way ticket to Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, I feel like being away kind of helped me a lot, you know. And after, like, you know, the, I don't know, 60, 90-day kind of mark, I kind of started to come around like, hey, you know, I kind of kind of want to do this this time, you know. But the last time, I just wanted to go just to appease them and get them off my back.
0: What was the place in Scottsdale?
1: It's called Desert Cove Recovery.
0: See, you should contact them to be a sponsor on your show.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're still in business, but
0: yeah. Do you think that we missed anything really good and debaucherous from your life of drugs? Well, oh, I don't even want- know what
1: debaucherous means.
0: Debaucherous means really fucked up, down and dirty, good drug shit. Uh. Yes, definitely. Give me one yeah. more before we get to your big I rise. Mean, your I mean, big rise to goodness. I mean,
1: uh, probably we did the drug dealer thing, hitting him with a bat. Um, that's a tough story, yeah. It's a wild one, uh, probably my wildest story.
0: Somebody told me a story similar to that mm-hmm. where they were dealing pills, right? And it's interesting, they were dealing pills on Long Island, mm-hmm. and he had a, a, a customer mm-hmm. who owed him money, so he had the customer do hit him with the bat oh god but then he made me take it out of the show oh jesus because he was scared yeah so uh so i don't want to take that out of the show i think no you keep that in. and then also jersey jerry like i'm realizing god
1: could be dead if all i know i have no idea
0: i'm 20 (laughs) years older than you and like i've scared you i've I've tried to get you to come here like i freaked you out (laughs) and you got sober when you were 21 yeah and that's amazing yeah it's very sweet
1: got sober young
0: so like all right if you can think of another good fucked I'll up, I'll let you know. Debauchery is a good word. Okay. I, I would f- put it I'll, in there. i because you're a
1: debaucherous fucker. And, <laughs> you know it's in there. Yeah. So you might as well use it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happened. You know, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, the whole fucking that drug deal one was crazy. I'd say the, the sad one. You like, if you were looking for like something sad, would be like, you know, in the car. You know, my sister crying, like. You know, my mom, you know, getting ready to take me to the airport. And I'm, you know, like, hey, like, there's literally, like, one more bag of heroin inside. Like, literally, there was one little fucking bag, right, of heroin inside that I knew that I had for a long, long, long time. And Where do you keep it hidden? In the underwear drawer. All right. And, like, I've never touched heroin in in two years. You know what I mean? Like, I... Like, I, I just was in there, and I just never had the incline to do it because I always had crack. And when I robbed the guy, it was crack. And then I was like, hey, listen, like, I'm not getting on this fucking plane unless I fucking go do that. You know what I mean? There's crying. No, 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 you're done. We're taking you now. And it's like, listen, I don't give a fuck what you motherfuckers think. You're going inside, and you're going to go get it, and you're going to give it to me. And my sister's like, all right, you know what? The only way it, what's gonna it, uh, that you're going to do it is if you do it right in front of me. And sure enough, I said I don't give a fuck. No problem. Went inside, got it, sniffed it, and that was it. And then, and then off to Scottsdale. Yeah, off to Scottsdale. Yeah.
0: How much was your dad in jail at that point? Still, yeah, yes, he was. Because I can't imagine how much drugs your dad had. It's like yeah, to be a drug addict in a house with a drug dealer father. Yeah, I, I don't even know how I would do it. Yeah. Were you going into his supply?
1: Yeah, but it was towards, like, uh, early, like, two years prior, you know what I mean? I would go in, dip in his, you know, pants pocket. He would always keep his money in. I would take, you know, a couple hundred dollar bills out of it. He never really knew, you know.
0: Do you think he knew about dipping into the into the Coke?
1: Into the money? No, definitely not. Into the Coke? Nah.
0: He just sold Coke or he sold pills to Uh and dope?
1: Crack, Coke, um, heroin weed he was like everything honestly he was like a one-stop shop
0: well i bet you he's a really good drug counselor now
1: yeah <laughs> i have faith in your father
0: all right so tell us about the the rise the the, the good yeah, the so, good part you
1: know i uh, you know i always say this you know i i owe my recovery you know to my family for sure but i also owe it to one man in particular you know he was my counselor and he's the one who kind of made me realize the big picture you know I never understood what I was doing. Like, I always thought the stuff I was doing would be harming myself, you know, nobody else. Like, then he kind of made me open up and see the big picture, you know, that, you know, you're not just hurting yourself. There's a family behind you that you're fucking killing every day, you know. Your mom's not sleeping, taking off of work, you know what I mean. She has no more, she has to tell her boss that her son's a drug addict and, you know, she can't come into work today because she's been trying to find him for a week, like. You know, this is affecting a lot more people than you think, you know. But he would say it in a very, very mean manner. He was a mean man. Still, to this Which day, you needed. You needed him yes, to kick your you know, hand. he was in your face. He had fake teeth. His teeth would f- fly out. Spit would go on you. Right, that'd be scary. When yeah, he, he was a, a very intimidating man. And I remember, like, one day I kind of had that moment of clarity. And, uh, you know, I uh, pulled him to the side. I'm like, hey, when does it, when does it all go away? When does it stop? You right. Know? I was tired of going away i was tired of letting my family down and all this type of stuff you know and he looked at me and he started crying and he was like he's a very emotional man and he's like it'll never stop until you stop right and i didn't understand what that meant at the time all i knew is hey if i stop everything else stops that comes with this fucking disease you know um so i just stopped and then there was a lot more work to be done which you know i still do daily but uh That was the moment of clarity for me. Then this man, he beat you down for close to 80 days, beat you down, make you feel like the biggest piece of shit on earth. And then the last 10 days I was in there, he pretty much, you know, build you up and feed you confidence and build build you up and make you feel like the last 10 days you were there, like, hey, you could really do this fucking thing, you know? He's gifted, gifted counselor, this guy. Probably one of the best counselors I've ever witnessed yeah right, and it
0: worked which is the most
1: important yeah, part you know one thing's crazy you know what I mean this is how fucked up this disease is we were in the room one day and he comes in he's all dressed nice Versace suit and shoes Ferragamo shoes going around the room like, hey would you ever suck dick for crack no next hey would you ever suck dick for heroin no next would you ever do that you're know, going around the room everybody says no you know this is like one of my first times ever meeting the guy. I was like, no, no, I don't think I would do that. You know, that's pretty some, pretty shitty stuff. You know, and he said, oh well, you know, I, you know, I, I, I sucked dick for coke. I sucked dick for heroin. I sucked dick for crack. I prostituted myself. What well, makes you think you wouldn't? You know, yeah, oh, no, you know, we're not, you know, we're not gay. You know, uh, he said, oh yeah, you know, you ever say, you know, when you're growing up, you know, nah, I would never do heroin. I just smoke weed and do pills. It's like. You know, I told myself all those things. Like, I would never do heroin. I would never smoke crack. I would just smoke weed and do pills, you know? And he's like, this is how powerful this disease is. You know, you can think all you want that you'll never do certain things. But at the end of the day, you'll do whatever to get your fucking fix. So today I'm man enough to say, hey, if the disease, if it didn't, you know, if I never put an end to this thing, I 100% would prostitute myself for crack cocaine, you know? And that's how that's how big of a drug addict I, I I was, you know.
0: Well, you never. I mean, listen. I I personally have no judgment for anybody doing anything for anything. Yeah. Cause like everybody's got their their deal, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like you didn't, you didn't suck dick for crack. Instead I said you beat somebody over the head with a bat for crack. Yes. Yeah. But the reality of this disease is, I sure would have. Right. At that point, when you were in the car and you said, "Can you can you set me up?" And the guy's oh, like, "No." Yeah. If he, if he pulled out his dick at that moment, you think you would have done it? I probably would, yeah. And I have no judgment about I that whatsoever. I probably would, yeah. yeah. I think, like, and I never do this stuff on the show, mm-hmm. but, like, I feel like the thing with your dad had to be a huge impediment to you getting well the 14 times because like, yeah. it was so built into your home yes like yeah. drugs were like my parents were teachers you know what I mean yeah. I never were learned at school yeah but like drugs were like not part of the home life. I knew it was like it didn't fit in yes. and your your mom stayed with him yeah your dad is in the house yeah it's you have a family
1: unit and drugs are exactly. integral to it and not only my inner circle family but my outer as well you know cousins and uncles. was it like mobbed up stuff? Uh, my dad wasn't really mob related. He knew a lot of he knew a lot of mob related guys, you know what I mean? I've seen, you know, like um those machines in the house before for the pressing the kilos and stuff like that. I like I've seen that. I've witnessed that, you know what I mean? I've witnessed I don't even know. 200, 300 grand in cash, you know? What did it look like? What, the machine? Just a wild fucking like square fucking machine. It was like He kept it in the closet, you know what I mean? And there was always, like, duct tape in there and stuff like that.
0: Packaging kilos of Coke? Yeah. And then, like, what does $200,000, $300,000 in cash look like? Uh,
1: Is it a briefcase? No, definitely not a briefcase. It was just, you know, in in the back and towards the closet. And, like, not like a hidden compartment, but, like, there was, like, drawers built into the closet in a way. And, you know, it was just... Every drawer was just, like, filled with, like, you know, those... You know, those wraps around the money, it was sure. like just stuff like that, and like ten thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand. It's like, you know, two, three draws, and I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of money.
0: So when you look at that, you know, this this career and, and your recovery and you have seven seven plus years of recovery. So mm-hmm. it's a long time since you were staring down the kilo machine or, yeah. or like or being in that car or any yeah. of that stuff, like how much of a part of, of it being difficult do you think your family was to it and i'm not asking I, you to put down your
1: family yeah, no I, I don't listen i you know i look at it like this my sister was exposed to the same type of stuff right why didn't she do it why didn't she fall into this you know grips of addiction you know what i mean she was just smart enough to see what it did and do you think it's smart enough or do you think it's like something else?
0: Like, like cause I have a sister. She didn't th- she didn't get addicted. Artie Lang from Nork yeah. has a sister and, and, yeah. and she
1: didn't it, do it. No, I just think we looked at it as two different types of things. You know, she looked at it as like, oh, it's like gross. I would never want to look like that. I would never want people to talk about me like that. And for me, I just like always wanted to feel like that feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. Which, you know, she's never had, and I hope she never does, you know, but um,
0: older or younger sister?
1: She's four years younger. Wow. Well, she's 22,
0: 23. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I didn't get addicted to heroin until I was late, right? Yeah. I didn't get addicted to heroin until I was 23, 24. Yeah. You know, and how natural did sobriety come to you? once you're in that situation
1: in the last rehab oh it was it was like a switch i don't know how to explain it it was something that just you know the hardest thing i've ever done was get sober the easiest thing i've ever done was stay sober
0: talk about that
1: getting sober was the hard part man
0: isn't it so crazy like these lives that we live yeah like that we have this this thing yeah And you lived in like it's like you watch strange you don't watch stranger things. No you you don't watch anything. No, I don't You just watch watch. sports. Yeah, I watch sports. (laughs) (laughs) But in Stranger Things, right? The concept of Stranger Things, it's like there's this town. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other dimension of the town, this negative space with all this fucking monsters and 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 evil shit. And with addiction, it's like this underworld in us. Yes. That's vast and never ending. Yeah. and And just and it's us though. Yeah. And then like and then once you leave that place mm-hmm. and it's like you have this beautiful family and you have this great gig and you're doing what you love to do. Yeah. It's like, do you ever get flashes? I- I'm not talking about cravings. I'm saying mm-hmm. flashes of the life
1: that you had. Yeah, you went- oh, yes. All the time. All the time. Like, you look at it like, okay, like tomorrow. or No, Friday. I'm going on a private jet. And this is not to brag. This is just to see where my life is at today. I'm going on a private jet to West Virginia. Um, to be there for the Rough and Rowdy Barstool event. And then after that's over, I'm taking the private jet down to Saratoga, New York, to go bet on some horses. That'll be horses. up to
0: Saratoga, New York.
1: Up to Saratoga. Yes. Correct. You know, that's just, you look at that and you're like, wow. It's like I'm taking private jets around the country now, and I'm, you know, hanging out with millionaires, and I'm just doing what I love to do, you know? And I never would have thought that, you know, being 122 pounds, going to rehab with a with a flashlight, a pair of underwear, two pairs of underwear, and a couple of guinea tees, pair of shorts, flip flops, and not have sneakers because I sold them all. So you look at that and you're like, holy shit! You know, this all happened in seven years. You know, and I'm a strong believer in one day at a time. But I'm excited to see what the fucking next seven brings me. You know,
0: that's I mean, that's why I got sober because I knew what what drugs gave me yeah and i had and I, it was nothing yeah and i didn't know what sobriety
1: was gonna yeah. give me. does gambling ever fuck with you no i don't think it does you know so i would say early on in my sobriety i always loved horses and I always would play horses. You ever you know? say, I love the ponies? <laughs> yeah, all the time. You do? Yeah. All right, good. Uh so I was always a horse gambler, you know, early on in sobriety. Not like the biggest horse gambler, but you know, if I could afford to spend five hundred bucks on on a Friday to bet some horses, I would. You know, I go to the track and I gamble. You know, now part of my job is, you know, gambling and stuff like that. That's which, a lot of your job. Yeah, which I do. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I I give myself a little allowance though, like. I know what, what I need to pay my bills and to provide for my son and my and my girlfriend. I know what I need to do, and I know what funds I need every single month. If I have an extra 1000 bucks at the end of it and I want to gamble with it, you know, my family's fed, my son has new clothes, you know what I mean? My girlfriend's fed, you know, she has new clothes, she has designer bags, whatever she wants. I'm going to do what the fuck I want with my money. You know Does I mean? winning ever feel like high? Uh, for me, no. I mean, it feels good. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean. But it's not like it's not the same for me. You know, it's not that thing. Yeah, and like there's people out there like, oh Jerry, like you're sober but you gamble. And it's like, okay, like it's not destroying my life. Like you know, I'm pretty strong in my recovery. I know like not to put fucking ten thousand dollars on a game that I don't have. You know what I mean? Like I'm not stupid. If I want to bet five hundred dollars on a football game, I'm going to bet it. If I like the Steelers this week against the Bengals, I'm going to bet the Steelers. You know.
0: And you're so committed. Well, you're going to. Do you always bet the Steelers no matter what? No, I'm not like that. All right. No. And you're so committed to the recovery. Yeah. Like you're working in this in this very you know sports gambling heavy place, and you're like, I want to do a recovery podcast.
1: Yeah, like I do. You know, I do a recovery podcast. And know?
0: I know you do uh, these meetings, these zooms. And yes, I, they're very good. So so tell we do We do zooms too. Okay. T- but uh. I was listening to your show, and and Jerry did this meeting this week, and some dude pops in with the porn. Yes, the fucking Zoom. Uh, Zoom hacker. The Zoom
1: hacker. Dude, it was wild. So we've been doing it for a few weeks now. I think it's, you know, it's pretty cool. I've seen this done before in the past with a, uh, a different podcast that I was on years and years ago, where it was called the Brilliantly Dumb Show, and it was called Happy Hour, and you know, uh, you know, you have those diehard fans that love the show. They tune in every week. They go to the Zoom meeting. Gives them a chance to talk. You see the fans. It's cool. It's really, really cool. So I just took that concept and and and, and uh, did it like this. And I'll tell you what, it's been pretty successful in, until the Zoom hacker. That the was Zoom
0: hacker is cool. fun. It's great. It's yeah. a great story.
1: Yeah, it's fucking nuts. You know, fucking. I there's one kid that was sharing, and uh, all of a sudden you seen like an interracial porno pop up, and this black guy's destroying this little tiny white girl. And it's like, Jesus Christ, and you hear all the audio? And I'm like telling Kevin, texting him like, yo, figure this shit out, Fucking bro. Kevin. Fucking nuts, figure it out. We didn't know what to do, and it just stopped. <laughs> so now we just have it really intimate where um, the only way to get in is if you are... Invite in, only. Invite only, yeah.
0: And if you want an invitation to the... Uh- the uh, Jersey Jerry, you got to go to the Jersey Jerry Instagram page, yes. message them and say you want to get into the Zoom. Yes. And you're not going to bring the porno. Yes. Not even all white porn yeah. is accepted in the Zoom. Yes. It's not the interracial quality that you didn't like. It was no. porn within a recovery setting.
1: Yeah, so we do that every every week, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then the podcast drops every Monday morning.
0: What about, do uh, you do regular meetings? I do sometimes, yeah, I do. I know this is violating traditions, but you never drank. Do you do AA or NA? Uh, I do AA. Me too. Yeah. I mean, we're violating traditions, but yeah. I barely drank, and I really
1: always did better in AA. So, my, like I said, my counselor was, like, a very, very mean man. Is
0: he really mean or just fake mean? You say it very sincerely I like he was a dick. He's
1: a mean man.
0: So you're not friendly with him now? So
1: put it like this. Every year, I wait for a message on my phone to say congratulations from this man. I've been looking for it for seven years. He remembers my sobriety date every year. How do you know? Uh, Because he sends me an emoji. What's the emoji? It's a thumbs up emoji.
0: It'd be funny if he sent you the shit emoji.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He sends me the thumb up emoji every year. And uh, for me, it's like, motherfucker, you can't say congratulations. It's
0: beyond that. Fuck that thumbs up emoji. Yeah. That's like fucking, that's a fuck you. Yes. The thumbs up might as well be a middle finger. Exactly. How dare he send, of all the emojis, to send the
1: thumbs up. And I I asked him one year. I think it was for my fifth year, which was a big year for me. He sent me it, and, and I texted him. I was like, "Wow, man, you know, all these years you remember every single year and you give me the same emoji 5 years in a row." You know what I mean? And he, his response was, "What do you want me to congratulate you on doing what you're supposed to be doing?" Right. And then I look at that and I'm like, "Fair you enough. You know it's true. Right. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm I'm just a normal productive member of society."
0: Right. And it's like I just posted my 7 years and I lived for the likes. I lived yeah. for
1: the adulation. Yeah. You
0: know, I, I just posted the fucking eight million downloads. I'm like, where's, there's not enough likes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sick because it's like, it's like we want love. We yeah. want appreciation. For sure. And it's also just a little bit high. Mm-hmm. You know, all that shit makes me a little bit high. Oh, yeah. The love and the appreciation course, yeah. and like. Feels good. It does. It's interesting. It's like it's like, don't we deserve good things, or do they fuck us up too much? I know. You know. know. Well, this wasn't so scary for you, was it? No,
1: it wasn't scary. I enjoyed it actually. You did. Setup no. is wild. What do you
0: mean, actually?
1: I I know because you know you have certain thoughts coming into it. I knew I like we vibe good together, but like the setup is wild. Break it down. This is a it's a table, Uh it's a huge table just <laughs> filled with the most random shit on it you could imagine. Tell them what do you see. Do you give you know, Paint I see a picture. Books here. I see a newspaper, a book bag with all types of equipment, candles. Those um, are dopey
0: candles. Yeah, those are pretty. You cool. can buy the dopey candles at dopeypodcast.com or at northavcandlecompany.com/slash/collection/slash/dopey.
1: Go vases, plants, just a pile of paperwork, but a great view. I say a great view.
0: And how about the equipment dying, but having the backup? Yeah. That's were you impressed? with the down, re- that?
1: I was impressed. You were shocked. Because after the... The, the, the road th- cast. Yeah, after that went down, I was like, oh, well, I guess we're I guess gone. Dave's going to have
0: to text me every, every yeah. day for another three yeah. weeks.
1: <laughs> but no, it was fun, you know. I, you know, Me sharing my experience yeah. with your fan base, it's like, you know, we're kind of cross-promoting both ways, which is good.
0: Jerry, thank you for coming. I'm sorry I had to harangue you so hardcore. You feel good. I feel great. Is there anything you want to say? Is there any stone unturned?
1: Yeah, I just feel like, you know... Uh,
0: Check out Friend of Jerry.
1: See, I don't know what your fan base is like. Is it... Are they they're sober and shit like that? Yeah, it's a mix. It's a mix. It's oh. a it's a wintery mix. Yeah, so, you know, for me, the biggest thing was, you know, right now to this day is I enjoy all the little moments. Yeah. All the little things. Like this one. Yes, you know, you enjoy the little moments, and then I've noticed over the years you look back and, and, and you realize... In fact, they were actually big moments. Nice. So I enjoy all the little little moments in life.
0: Well, wow, Jerry, I can't thank you enough. I'm sorry I fucking harassed you. It's, it's no, too it's much. No, it's great.
1: We'll do it again. We'll do it again. Next time, we'll do it at, at the famous Barstool Sports. Yes. You'll Which, come back on. That'll be fun. All right. Thanks, Jerry. You got it. So that was Jersey Jerry
0: from Barstool Sports. He has a podcast called Friend of Jerry. So check that out, even though it's kind of a rival to Dopey. But uh, tell me what you thought of Jerry. Send in an email. Uh, Jerry had a, had, a, had a pretty tough life, I think. An interesting upbringing. And we have a special guest who wants to call into the show, so I'm just going to call him. Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Hello? You're on the show. Welcome back. You just... What? Welcome back to the show.
3: Oh, okay. Wait, is that really your voice?
0: This is really my voice.
3: <laughs> Something sound like a robot. <clears throat>
0: I'm sick. And what, ladies and gentlemen, let's oh, welcome back Ray Brown to the show. Forget, welcome back. I forgot yours. Thank you. I'm fucking nice sick. I'm fucking sick. I, uh,
3: I forgot you were sick. And I was like, what's going on with your voice?
0: What does it sound like? I thought it sounded I pretty did- normal.
3: Well it sounded like you were playing a recording of your voice and uh, also you had called me like three times, been hung up in the
0: past minute. I know, it's cause it's cause I'm struggling with my uh, with my technology a little bit. <laughs> your telephone? <laughs> no, with the stupid cause the other roadcaster broke. So I had to buy a new Roadcaster, and all the connections on the new Roadcaster are that USB-C connect instead of the oh, USB yeah. connect or the. Normal. Yeah, they want
3: to make some. They want to make more money by making you buy all this shit.
0: Yeah, I, and but those USB-C phone chargers are way better than the regular phone chargers. Do you ever use those?
3: No, I don't know what you're talking about. But I know that they that Apple changed all their stuff, and I had to get adapters for my microphone and my recording
0: stuff what kind of a phone do you have iphone what number eight yeah you're fine you're you're in the stone ages ray brown so i don't remember the last time you came on the show but people are asking me about you do you know that
3: yeah i've heard that um i was i remember i came over for lunch we had lunch together recently
0: I re- what do you think I'm senile? Of course I remember, but I didn't I didn't use <laughs> I didn't use that on the show because right. it got all we, fucked up. We,
3: right, we recorded it and then it wasn't working, so. so I listened to that. Are, are we doing Carney Wilson?
0: No, we're not. Is that doing, today? No, you're just calling in to oh. say hi and say oh okay. and say how excited you are to come to DopeCon. <laughs> I I went to the church yesterday. What did you learn at the church? Like it? What did, did like I learn? It? Did you like the church?
3: I've been walking by that church a lot lately. I've been—it's been on my way to various things I'm doing. Do you know? It's a cool church. You know that church is new. You know it burned down. You were—you were there when it burned down, right?
0: Only the back of it burned down. The, oh, the main the room—the steeple remained. The—the the back oh, of it burned down. The front of it did not burn in, down.
3: I lived in Chelsea when it burned down.
0: The back, you know, though—it's not the whole church.
3: Yeah. um you know what's weird is how much you and I lived across the street from each other for like years. You were like a kid. Yes. But the, and I was thinking about the specials at whatever that club is. I wonder if we were there on the same night. With the Terminal Five,
0: the Terminal Five special club. show.
3: Yeah, four twenty. Were you there? Four twenty or four
0: twenty one? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna guess I was there four twenty. I don't I don't I don't do things <laughs> I, on four twenty one. I do things on four twenty right. right around. <laughs> Uh, Where were you standing? I was all over the place at that. I I danced. I was all over the place at that show. I even ran into my ex-girlfriend from California at that show. Really? Which was very uncomfortable.
3: That was maybe the best show I've ever seen. Either cheap trick or specials. It was just electric.
0: You ready for this, Ray Brown? Are you ready for this? What's that? What? Me and Linda went to see Roger Waters this week. Maybe. I, I was... Maybe better than I, the specials in 2010.
3: Well, that's so weird because I saw a, a video from the show this morning. And then when I was going to lunch, I saw a poster and I, it said the garden. I'm like, oh, and I almost took a picture and sent it to you. Yeah, it's well, a cool stage he did. It reminded me of the uh, Dre Super Bowl stage. It was just very, very minimalistic. And right. what I saw, there was only white lighting. There was no other lighting. Uh,
0: Roger Waters... Was incredible I didn't think it was even going to be good I thought the whole time all I was going to do Is wish Dave Gilmore was there But Roger Waters <laughs> was so good He can sing, he's in great shape Yeah, no,
3: he, he looks good He's what, 75 or so?
0: Yeah, he's, he's in what, much better shape than I am At 75 Like He like, looks great yeah, he like, good. Like Linda Any, like, any hard? Linda was like, I think I have a crush on Roger Waters
3: oh, I wouldn't go that far okay. but, he, um, You don't like old guys though <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he hired a guy that can play just like Gilmore.
0: <laughs> and like he opened with Comfortably Numb, right? He opens with Comfortably Numb and he sings it to kind of get it out of the way. Cause you know, yeah. like he can't pull it off. You know what I mean? He can't, he just can't, yeah. he can't do it. But uh, there was a lot of political shit in there, like a lot of political shit. Like was- I
3: know he, I, I, hey man, I, I don't know if I agree with that, like, I mean, if that's his choice, but like he's alienating however a percentage of his fans um, by doing that. He's been doing that for years. He's been very political for like almost his whole career.
0: When we went to see him, right, the whole, the yeah. whole like, like at Madison Square Garden, it's just like cops and contractors and firemen. Yeah. It's all those people who live where I live. And, and when he wasn't playing Pink Floyd songs, they were screaming at the top of their lungs at him. Oh, shit. Uh, and like, it was like almost a riot. <laughs> I, I saw like— wow. ten, The funniest thing is that the security at Madison Square Garden is the same security from 20 years ago. Like it's the same guys, but they're just older wow. and fatter. They're aging now. You know, and like yeah. I saw like 20 of them rush some dude and take him out of the garden, and it was crazy. And it was, in, it was intense, though. And, uh, and and Roger Waters, he opened the second act. He opened after intermission. He played, so you thought you might like to go to the show. And it was great. It was great. It was great. It was so much fun. How much, much were fun. the tickets? I don't know. I, I just had Linda buy the tickets. But We, we have a deal. Oh. Like, we don't ever spend more than like $100 on a ticket. So well, we, we were way up. I, I, we were in the nosebleeds. Yeah. But it was, the, the stage was so cool that it felt like we were right there. Oh, it was in the round,
3: right? It was in the round, a hundred percent. I just looked at some tickets for. I just randomly looked at tickets. They're like five hundred dollars for some of these, a thousand dollars.
0: My sponsee, like my sponsee went the second night, and he spent like forty-five bucks on his ticket. Oh wow, that's really cheap. Now, Ray Brown, you haven't been on the show in a long time. Is there any? I mean, you're going to be on the show again soon. Is there anything you'd like to share? People want to know what's happened to you. What's going on? Oh, I
3: thought. I thought this was. I thought this was. I didn't know what was going on again.
0: Oh yeah, you're coming um, on again and again. No, no,
3: there's nothing I'd like to share. Everything's fine. Nothing I'm gonna share. You're not gonna share <laughs> anything.
0: You're just gonna talk about the specials, Roger Waters. Okay, so let me ask you this, Ray Brown, real quick. Are you excited for DopeyCon? I see you posting a lot in Dopey Nation. It looks like you're excited.
3: Yeah, yeah, I went crazy in Dopey Nation. Posting. <laughs> well, that's such a great photo. I took that one. I walked in the door from the first DopeyCon, and uh, I took that photo of me with a black and white cookie, which I've never had a black and white cookie before, and I'm not a fan. I did not like it.
0: All right, just relax, right? Just you don't you don't need you don't need to say you're not going to share on Dopey and you don't like black and white cookies in your first return <laughs> episode. But real quick, I want to tell you about something. Okay, you ready?
3: What? What? Okay.
0: For DopeyCon, there is a contest. Okay, it's yeah. the DopeyCon. Well, what? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, I know about it, but go ahead. So why don't you tell the crowd about it if you know about it? Well, if you need to interrupt me and say you know about it, why don't you introduce the contest?
3: I, I found out about it, like, this morning or something, last night. Who told you about it? I can't Nobody told me. I read it somewhere.
0: How, what, are t- what are you reading? you read it is in Daily News, DopeyCon contest? It was in the Daily News. So what <laughs> have you learned about this DopeyCon contest? No, dopey I think it, con- was on,
3: it was on the Dopey. Facebook page. So what have you learned?
0: Uh,
3: somebody's going to write a song and get $500 in ho- hotel and airfare.
0: 500 bucks in hotel and travel. And Ray Brown, even though you're in New York, maybe you should write the DopeyCon theme that, song. That
3: would be really terrible. If no, I but you, can, you can
0: donate it to somebody who doesn't have your musicianship oh, skills.
3: I... Okay, I've already done it. I, somebody can take my song already. Right. Dope this Dopey Dopey podcast. No, no, you've written two songs.
0: You've written two amazing Dopey songs, one wrote, of which was about DopeyCon 2. Yeah, I wrote DopeyCon 2. So maybe you should donate a Dopey song, and then you can fly out a dope, a lucky dope. Okay. You want to, So if somebody wants me to do that, write to me. Yeah. And Message Ray Brown. He's in Dopey Nation I'll, on Facebook.
3: And so it'll it'll be anonymous. Nobody will know that it's my song. They'll present it as this is a song I wrote. But but how exactly? How I does that?
0: How does that work? Because whoever
3: sends that song in will say it's their song.
0: I know, but it'll be you singing it, you dumb dumb. Oh no, they're gonna sing it. But then they're so gonna you're gonna send them it. a karaoke track. I
3: could do that because yeah. they can't play. I can, but. but but surely can. I could send them like a, a guy vocal with uh, piano.
0: But one of them, okay, so you're going to send them a karaoke track and they'll never know that it was a Ray Brown original. Yeah. All right. right. All right, great. Now they s- might
3: all, all the submissions might be Ray Brown songs. Let's
0: hope so. I, I'm about to start writing and sending <laughs> some shit out. I, I have one submission <laughs> right, so far. tell them, write to Brer. Have Brer do it. No, we need, Brer is the house band for the show. He's the whole band? Him and Take If. Oh, shit. if okay. a- a.k.a. Tony Mansions is his new name.
3: I've, I've heard about that. All right,
0: all right. Now, before, before you go, considering you don't want to share anything or tell any stories, I'm going to read you an email. You ready? Okay. That's a nice okay. You ready for the email, <laughs> Ray Brown? Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, this is a guy named Eamon. Hey, guys, I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and you've helped me through a couple rough patches. I never knew I wanted to 69 a guy before, but when I heard... (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I've abused oxys, hydros, DXM, Adderall, weed, alcohol. I crashed my car on acid a year ago. Nightmare trips K-holes, and for a while now, I've been done using DXM, which is like uh, cough medicine. <clears throat> Just looking at it in the store makes me sick, thinking about all the pills I would take at once. But now that feeling has gone away, and every second of every day, I think about getting high or, or heavier than weed, including texting old dealers and thinking about approaching other dope heads on the street. My mom knows about my problems, but not all of it, and they want to get me in therapy, although I'm on antidepressants. But that doesn't feel like it's going to stop this fire that's building. My mom has seen me fucked up on numerous occasions crying and having to drive me to work since I could hardly talk. And I don't want her or my girlfriend to be upset. So I've been going behind their backs trying to get a hold of anything I can. I I guess they want advice, but he doesn't say that they want advice. That's the whole message. But the the subject is relapse advice. So do you have any relapse advice, Ray? Um, It
3: sounds like he needs to talk to somebody that's not his girlfriend or his wife or his and mom. I mean, I mean his mom. Um, yeah. Um, sounds like he's in trouble and he knows it and he's asking, sort of asking you for help. He is asking you for help. Um, I don't know. It's kind to of, it sounds like he's, he doesn't want to relapse, but he's going to, if he doesn't reach out to somebody.
0: Right. Yeah. He's going to relapse. That's a lot of
3: drugs too. A lot of drugs.
0: Well, Real quick, uh, we just are sending somebody to treatment right now. so if you want to go to treatment and you're willing to do whatever the treatment tells you to do, uh, write me and if you and anyone out there who needs treatment and you're willing to do what the treatment asks you to do and you're you're willing to go anywhere, not just to some luxury fucking spot in Southern California, uh, write me, and maybe we can get you some help. Uh, the other advice is go to a meeting. you know, do something. Yeah. Be
2: active. There's a
3: meeting in every town. Every town has one. And and raise your hand. And people will, if you raise your hand and you say what you just said in that email, somebody will come and try to help you. And, but, you know, he's willing because he just by writing to you, he's that's like a first step. You know, he's
0: willing. He's showing some willingness. Yeah. Do you want to hear another email that I got from this kind of like uh, OnlyFans Sex worker stripper type. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I've been toying around with this for a while, so let me preface my dive into and in current life and addiction. Uh, this is like the convent, condensed version of my life that I wrote for Medium. But as you know, addiction takes you around shit normies don't get to experience. Let me jump around. 2001, my snorting cocaine and drinking as a teenage stripper turned to percusset, percusset, percusset. Percocet, and within three months, I had a needle in my arm. My first time shooting up, this girl was trying to shoot me up, getting directions from her boyfriend on the phone. I went super hard. I'm from Baltimore, and a big part of my addiction is the actual copping. Going to the hood, obviously, is a part of it. Uh, and, and I always try desperately to get my dealers to let their guard down. I still do it. Most are so hard. I'm the white girl that wants to be best friends. Weird as fuck, I know, but it is what it is. I'm going somewhere with this. I became friends with this guy who is the reason I have panic attacks while watching Locked Up Abroad. He recruited me to go to Guatemala and bring a suitcase back. I'd get, oh, no. get $5,000, and at that time, even to a stripper, going on vacation for 5G's was lit to me. I had no concept of consequences. I forgot to mention I also had a Xanax habit where in uh, my head the rules of the world didn't apply to me. I can talk about this because I've researched and... Uh, the statue of limitations are up. So I fly out of JFK to El Salvador to Guatemala City. You went to Guatemala, right?
3: Yeah. All right. I, I, smuggled, I smuggled some coffee from Guatemala. All right, good.
0: You, you can write an email. <laughs> I land in the airport uh, that was what you'd picture an airport in Guatemala would look like. Although looking at recent photos of it, it definitely looks more modernized and the only thing that looks familiar is the parking lot. This was over 29 years ago too. All these feral children, oh. all these feral children around offering to carry my bags. I'm the only blonde for miles, mind you, and I'm dope sick as fuck. The guy who sent me said to ask for coffee. While well, my driver picked me up, I well, my driver picked me up. I get to the hotel and I'm begging for coffee. This guy brings me a legit coffee. Oh, he says to ask for coffee as dope. All right. Uh, I started slapping the inside of my elbow, like mimicking shooting up. So the guy says, I'll be back. I'm thinking, thank God I'm going to be okay. So he comes with a plastic grocery uh, bag about halfway filled with cocaine. (laughs) I don't know about (laughs) y'all, but the thought of coke when I'm ill makes me sicker. So there's about another hour of charades and being lost in translation. And the guy says, oh, Chiva, that's not going to be in until Saturday night. Mind you, it's Thursday night. So I'm freaking out in this bed in a motel in Guatemala, kicking. Next day I get shuffled into a car and I have no fucking idea where we are going. Long ass ride, about three hours outside of Guatemala City, curving roads around a mountain, driving through what looked like a jungle farm country part of Guatemala. Poverty, and not American poverty, like third world poverty. So we're driving and get pulled over. She actually wrote Second World (laughs) Poverty, but I'm assuming she means Third World (laughs) Poverty. Uh, So we're driving and I get pulled over. I'm up front, still sick as fuck. The driver has this huge gun in the center console. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking the fuck out. Like, not only am I ill, but I'm thinking I'm going to end up in fucking jail in a foreign country. The guy, let's call him Carlos, starts laughing at me because I'm hyperventilating and saying I'm too sick to go to jail. He says the guy in the back while pointing at me, she thinks she's going to jail, ha, 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 ha. At this point, I'm confused, lost, and fucking scared. Uh, Police didn't even make it to the door. Carlos pulls out a wad of cash, says something in Spanish to him, and we are back on the road. Uh, Ha, 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 jokes on the American. How could I not know most cops are corrupt, but in Guatemala, it's just as normal as paying a fine. It's not organized, you just pay the cops to go away when you have money. Cool. So we get to this town that looks like a Spanish bar party area. Carlos left me in the car for like an hour, and when you're ill, every minute feels uh, like an hour. So he gets back, and he's, and, he's, and he's walking, and I'm throwing up the yellow bile all dope fiends are familiar with. He looks at me surprised like he didn't know I was sick all day. So we get to this little bizarre-type area with stalls. Well, one of the stalls was a drugstore of sorts. He tells me to write down what I need. So I wrote Percocet, Oxycontin, Valium, Xanax, everything I thought would make make me well. So I get no opiates, but I get Valium and Halcyon, which I've never heard of, but it's like a cooler version of Xanax, which I also started to get Benzosick as well. And that is, in my opinion, worse than dope-sick. So these pills come in blister packs. I get to my hotel and ate 10 yellow Valiums and 5 Halcyons. I knock out and wake up to a bullfrog on my leg. To this day, I think it was a hallucination. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Carlos comes in with a big smile, a big steroid-type needle, and a big bag of dope. I didn't bother with the needle. Carlos said it was pure, and I really didn't need a needle. So I inhaled a nice-sized line, instantly black out. Not an OD because I woke up, but probably knocked on death's door. So I'm well now. I got to do something. I'm staying at a motel being guarded by a guy with Uzis. Uh, I walk around and see a pool. Cool, I'll go swimming. Well, you see my pics. I'm blonde and all tits. I asked Carlos to get me a bathing suit. He brings me back a teeny bikini. The top, legit, were nipple covers. Fuck it, I'm swimming. The entire host- hotel staff was watching me swim. So fucking <laughs> weird, but I'm still the most different-looking chick for miles. The next few days are a blur of getting high, popping pills, snorting speedballs. I get super high on coke one night, and I call my mom and tell her I'm in Guatemala. Obviously, she flips, calls the guy, and calls the guy that sent sent me. I don't know what happened on that call till I got back, but I knew uh, shit wasn't good when Carlos comes to my room with his homeboy, takes all my stuff, my digital camera, my Motorola Razor didn't work back then; it was before smartphones. When I talked to my mom, she told me who who sent me. If you don't bring my daughter back, I'm calling the police. My mom is like the king of all Karens. Well, dude told her, if you don't apologize to me right now, you'll never see your daughter again. She's the type that don't apologize for shit. And to a drug dealer, what? But she did. Well, the guy called Carlos, and that's around the time Carlos confiscated my things from the room. I made a note to self. Don't do pure cocaine in a foreign country you're about to smuggle shit out of. And especially (laughs) don't call your mom while there and go on a Coke rant to her. Matter of fact, don't ever (laughs) call your mom on drugs or from a foreign country you're about to take a penitentiary chances in. So on to said chances. The day I'm getting on the plane, I don't have my suitcase and Carlos is telling me you'll get it back before you walk into the airport. But I didn't get my digital camera back. Three hours over the river and through the jungle to Guatemala City International Airport we go. So we pull up. I have a professional pink blazer and matching pants. I look like a teacher. The same beggar-looking kids walked up to my suitcase. So weird. I still don't know the extent of what I'm doing. I knew I wasn't on the up and up, but I don't know. And I didn't want to know. I still am like, the less I know, the better I am. Kind of like ignorance is bliss. Not with everything, but this counted as one of those times. I actually walked through the airport with ease because at least in Guatemala, everything was taken care of. JFK would be the true test, but I was ready. I had my story of teaching English to Guatemalan children, and I was riding on Xanax confidence. Made it through, passport stamped. My guy was staying at a hotel in Queens, took a cab there, and I saw what the trip amounted to, and it was a lot, but it didn't scare me yet. I went four more times. The last time I went with another guy too, I came back first. He didn't make it through JFK. From that point on, every time I'd go on vacation, which was a lot because I had an amazing sugar daddy back then, I'd get searched hard. My passport was flagged, so either my name was brought up to the guy that got caught or they just decided to flag it, but I have my suspicions. I'm still using and hoeing, just not vacationing in Guatemala. I've got stories for days. This is just the one. I really had my guardian angel working overtime. If you want to hear more, let me know. XOXO all night, Nikki. Oh, she should write a book. What do you think? I figured you'd like that. Yeah. One.
3: Well, I had this, you know, I didn't smuggle drugs, but I landed at the airport, and then you're like your jaw drops when you—it's just crazy. And I had a driver waiting for me with my name, uh, you know, a piece of paper, because they say like don't don't get into a cab because th- sometimes they'll just take you somewhere and rob you. So so I get in the car, and then I'm like, wait—he could have seen somebody else with my name and written that out, and now he's got me. But then we went we went over from um from Guatemala City to Panaheixel, and then at some point, you know, there's there's like uh, robberies on the highway, and there's these guys with machine guns, and they're telling the car to stop. And I'm like, oh shit, this is it. And uh um the bridge had washed away, and so you couldn't go any further. So I had to get out and like crawl across the remains of the bridge. The driver turned around. And then I got, then I walked to Panajay Show. But I, I was sure I was gonna be shot at that point. I loved Guatemala. It was so great.
0: But you smuggled coffee out, not coke. I was coming back, and I was like, I should bring back coffee.
3: And then at customs are like, Do you have anything organic or whatever? I'm like, No.
0: <laughs> but you, Coffee's but, but, but you weren't all tits, and you didn't have a, a pink suit and, and a no, briefcase no, full no sh- of coke. No, (laughs) just two bags of coffee. So, Ray, what did you see? What were you going to say? I'm sorry.
3: When you see that, because they're making coffee all over the town I was in, and they lay it out to dry, and then dogs walk in there and shit in the middle of all the coffee. And I'm like, I hope they clean that out.
0: That's what makes the Guatemalan coffee so special. (laughs) <laughs> that's the secret spice. Did you see that uh, at DopeyCon, uh, TJ, a.k.a. Butchie, is giving a walking tour of New York?
3: It's, I sort of saw that. I saw that people were doing that. I didn't know. Is that Butchie? Yeah, that's Butchie. I, I didn't know Butchie was doing it. I didn't. Butchie and I are not friends on Facebook. I, I didn't know Butchie's real name. And I saw that and I sent him a friend request like, Yesterday,
0: I'm sure he would love to have you on that walking tour. Oh yeah, I'll go. On. All right. Well, thank you for calling in. Was it amazing to be back on the show? It was amazing. <laughs> Next time you got to, you got to tell something. You know, you got to say something. I, we heard this crazy uh, OnlyFans uh, cocaine smuggling story because I knew you'd get a kick out of it.
3: That girl's lucky.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, she seems like she's struggling. So, all night, Nikki, if you're listening. Go to a fucking meeting. Go to treatment. Yeah. Do something. Don't do drugs. All right. Thanks, Ray. Okay. Bye. All right. So we that was we just had Ray on the show, and I wanted to end the show with my dad. I've had him on a lot lately. Dad, uh, how are you?
4: I, I'm lying on the heating pad. I just I just drove back, back up to the lake, and uh, I, it's it's hurting. It's hurting badly. So I'm on a heating pad. Uh, hoping he's going to get better soon. As the
0: um, as the chief critic of Dopey, do you think you've been on the show too much lately?
4: Absolutely, yes. Give give the audience a break. Yes, <laughs> give the Dopey Nation a rest from hearing about my complaints. Yeah, yes. But anyway, you got me on again though. Right now, right?
0: Well, you told me a funny story, and I wanted the Dopey oh, Nation yeah. to hear the it, story.
4: Yeah, it was really funny was really funny do you want to do you want to set it up or you want me to tell
2: the
0: version okay so on patreon right now we have uh this pop singer named Kavanaugh, who's from england and he was uh he was a, a pop star and in, in, when he was a teenager he's a big dopey fan he he i uh i, I did a video with him it's going to be on youtube eventually but it's on dopey patreon right now and he tells a really crazy Amy Winehouse story, but he also told the story about getting fired at McDonald's. So now, Dad, explain your part of the story.
4: Right. So he he was he was talking with David about getting fired, and the reason why he got fired was is because uh, there's a bin in McDonald's where they put away the uh, uh, you know the uh, McDonald stuff that's uh, too old or something, and he reached him to the bin to to pull out. A uh, fillet of fish because he was starving, and they fired him for doing that. And and then David said, "Wow, fillet of fish is my dad's favorite, and I bet you he's eating one right now." And it turns out that I had come home. Uh, I had I, I taught on uh, on Wednesday, and I went to the doctor, and I came home feeling sorry for myself, and I bought two fish fillets and a medium fries. And I was eating it. it. was. And you were really listening to the
0: You were watching the Patreon episode, or you were listening no, no, to it.
4: No, I, 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 I saw it. I saw that you were going to interview him, and then the next day I played it, and and, uh, and and yeah. So when he said, you know, when you said I was eating fillet of fish, actually the the day before I really was. <laughs>
0: but you weren't. But again, not. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You were not eating the fillet of fish when we were talking about it. You didn't listen to it uh, while you were eating it.
4: No, no. Yeah, that, what, ru- that, that ruins this whole
0: perfect. story, Dad. Who, who no, cares? It it Why was, not? Why not? It,
4: it was close. It was close.
0: All right. Now, uh, before... Well,
4: thank goodness you weren't in the house, because I only had one for lunch, and I saved the second one for dinner, and you probably would have stolen it from me. No, I, I, think,
0: I think saving a filet of fish is sadder than saving an egg, egg roll, and, and it puts you more on the Jewish shut-ins of Penn South list. That you're saving McDonald's?
4: No, I think it shows it shows it shows how healthy I am that, that I got filled up at lunch with the well, I did have the French fries. I got filled up with the one fillet of fish and French fries, which never would have happened in the past. And then at night, I had the second fillet of fish with some coleslaw. Um, I don't know what else. I
1: had. How did you anyway, heat it up?
4: In a microwave, uh, no, not too much. There's nothing. You
0: know, not, listen, the word healthy and this story do not go hand in hand. Uh, stop! Yeah, I I, listen. I gotta, stop doubling yeah. down on fast food and putting it in the fridge. Eat healthy food. You're gonna you're gonna kill yourself.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I got into more more trouble by by heating uh, tea in the microwave. when The British people were upset with that, so that, that I think that I got into more trouble with that. Instead of brewing tea, I guess the
0: proper way. Listen, that's nothing compared to the fact that you're saving fast food fish fillets for the next day of lunch. It makes me very worried. No, it was that night. It was that night. So you had one for anyway, lunch and you saved the second one for dinner. Exactly. You hear how sick I am? Yeah.
4: You well. You sound well. Yeah. You're not feeling any better?
0: No, I feel terrible. I feel terrible, uh-huh. and 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 I just. uh I've become obsessive-compulsive with making the show two hours, which is why I had Ray on uh, and I have you on. Just because of my well, OCD. Why, why, yeah.
4: How come? Why are you thinking you need to have it as two hours?
0: I like it. It makes me feel like it's impressive, and, and people like it. People listen to the end of the show. You listen to the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, I'm, well,
4: what did you think about that? Uh, well, the Cavanaugh the is only on Patreon, though, right?
0: Did you like it?
4: uh yeah, yeah, but I remember i I watched the video, but you also have it for audio for those people right who are working and everything.
0: Yes, yes, it's on audio and video on uh on uh patreon, which is www.patreon.com dot com slash dopypodcast and Dad, on a scale right, of I, on a scale of one to ten, how excited for DopeyCon are you?
4: well, i yeah i think I think there's a bunch of people coming.
0: No no, 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 uh, no on a scale I mean, on a scale of one to okay. ten. How excited for DopeyCon are you?
4: I'm gonna say ten. Really? Yeah, this is a big deal. Nice. Um, it it really is a big deal. Uh, I, at least I, I mean, you're certainly putting in enough effort. I just hope you have, I hope you have the show programmed properly so that uh, you know you keep it moving and all that <laughs> stuff.
2: All right, but
0: thanks, Dad. That's great. Thank you. Now, before you go because Lord knows we okay. need to end this show. I'm going to read a review, and you can comment. You ready? Oh, okay. Also, I heard back, remember last week you read a review from Strain Canes, and I said he makes, uh, he makes uh, what do you call it, uh, canes oh, out oh, of no. marijuana resin. Yeah, no. It turns out yeah. he makes it out of actual marijuana plants, and he wrote me a note. I'm going to read you what he wrote me. He said, thanks for the shout-out on your show. As a result, people reached out to me in this small town I live in to say they listened to Dopey as well and heard you read a portion of my story. That's awesome. It's crazy how many Dopey Nation dopes are out there. Just to be clear, Dave, the walking stick I'm making for you is not resin. It is actually the stock of the plant. The marijuana plant grows and produces buds, and sometimes these plants grow very big. I take the plant when I'm done growing and make it into a walking stick. It is the actual main stock of the cannabis plant. Go to my website to see what I'm talking about. You can't have a walking stick without going to my website and understanding what a strained cane is. Anyway, have a good day and toodles for Chris. Fuck, so that means I have to go to the website right now. Hold on for one sec, Daddy. Well, I want a walking stick.
4: No, that's nice. That's
0: I think nice. you I need the walking the, stick more than I, I think, do.
4: I think, I, think, I think that's true, yes. Yeah, I think I do. At least the... You know, to beat off the dogs around here. That's one other
0: reason uh, for it. Yeah, so, his, yeah, so what's the... His, his, hold on. His, his, his website isn't, isn't coming up. Let me see. Uh, Strain Canes. Here we go. Walking sticks. Oh, these sticks are beautiful. It's at uh, www.straincanes.com. Listen, fucking uh, strain canes, send me a nice walking stick. They look really nice. And maybe if you have an extra one, you can send it to my infirmed filet of fish eating father. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm going to read your story on Patreon, or unless you want to make a shorter one. His story is so long. Um, yeah, give me a shorter one or send it in a voicemail, and please, I want the fucking strain cane walking stick for sure. And you want one too, Dad, or no?
4: Look, don't push the issue.
0: All right, send one and I'll let my dad use it. That's fine. Here we go. Uh, This is the newest review. It's from Irregular Cycle. It says, Dopey builds empathy. I'm a child and grandchild of alcoholics and drug addicts who have had several substance abuser partners without having addiction issues myself. My generational trauma expresses itself in other ways. Ha. This podcast helps me understand and empathize with their behavior when it can be very painful to see them self-destruct and not be able to stop it. So Dopey is a therapeutic listen. Plus, the guests are often very interesting. My favorites are usually the old-school New Yorkers, but the Gabor Mate episode was really insightful. And um, I'll read one more. This is from Tom WAC. He says, funny and really real. Sincerely funny, heart-wrenching, and a significant contributor to the, f- to the time I have. Thanks for inviting me along the journey. So what's your comment on these uh, reviews before we go?
4: No, no, they're very, very good. But the guy who made The cane says that there were a bunch of people in town that listened to Dopey also. That's, that's
2: really, you know,
4: that's fantastic. I'm um, surprised that there was nobody in my class that mentioned anything, you know, about uh, Dopey or something. But right now I'm still anonymous in the class, which is good. Very good.
0: Well, I mean, nobody, I, I, nobody encounters me with dopey ever. So, whatever. Yeah, it's it is what yeah. it is, and it's it's doing good. And uh, hopefully, we'll get a walking stick for you. And I'm glad you're excited about DopeyCon. I'm excited about DopeyCon too. If you want to come and see my very excited dad uh, and play, <laughs> win Alan's money. Go to DopeyCon. Oh, po- wait a minute! Wait,
4: I don't think we're doing that. I thought I thought you came up with a better prize.
0: Oh, you're going to give them the tour of your apartment?
4: No, that was the worst prize. No, I thought you were going to give them, a, what do you call it, one of, one of the merch. Okay,
0: something. okay. You're going to get something, and we're going to call the game Win Alan's Money. Anyway, um, uh, all right, Dad, thank you for calling in. Thank you for telling your filet of fish story. Uh, I hope the heating pad works. I got to go fucking yeah. lie down and watch TV. All
4: right. I hope you feel better. All right. Love, baby. Okay and toodles
0: for Chris alright thanks dad I love you too stay strong Dopey Nation and fucking toodles for Chris and Ray Brown was on the show today too oh nice, All right. nice.
4: So, and he's coming right he's
0: coming to Dopey guys. he's coming so thank you dad good night good luck uh, goodbye everybody
5: what's up Dave and Chris my name's Jake I'm 25 years old from West Virginia I just found Dopey about two weeks ago and it's my favorite podcast of all time, y'all are hilarious, and it's just gotten me through some really hard times, and though I'm not clean myself, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future, um, I really like Dave's song, and I'm gonna do a little cover of it here on my banjo, hope y'all don't mind too much, I wrote a, uh, third verse myself, sorry about the poor quality, it's just on my phone. Uh, sorry about the banjo, thing's hard to keep in tune.
6: <clears throat> wanna take a walk around the world I Wonder would it do me any good Till I get some money in my pockets and I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had I want to take a ride up in the sky I Watch as airplanes just passing by I want to see a Lear jetliner, take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive I want to be good, so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had In a burned out basement listening to the dopey show Home friends, I had her on this little radio. I keep checking on my pulse because it feels like I might die. But the thought straightening up sounds so much better when you're high. And I wanna be good so bad. I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had.
5: Well, I hope you all hear this. Makes it through the uh big <laughs> inbox emails. Feel free to Play a clip on the show if you want. If not, I know it kind of sucks. Alright, uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank
2: you.